welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher is available for purchase on Amazon.com. The ebook and audiobook versions are also available for free to members of the Peaceful World Schooling community. If you are interested in becoming a member, just check out the membership link in the description below. Thank you so very much for supporting Angela and for helping to make the Peaceful World Schooling podcast freely available to all. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. I am your host, Angela Harders, and today I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Lynette Hines. Thank you so much for joining us for a conversation that can change the world. Thank you for being here, Lynette. It's great to be here. I'm super excited to have you on and to get to know more about you and your family and your journey. Um, So to get us started, can you just share a little bit about who you are and your family and kind of how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, My husband is a wonderful person and that's a really big part of my life is being able to have fun with him and we spend a lot of time together. He works from home, so that uh, helps a lot with being able to see him more often, but also with traveling. And we have four kids, ages 18, 11, 8, and 6. Um, the first three are boys. Our youngest is a girl. Um, the oldest one has already graduated from high school. And the younger three, um, we pretty much do unschooling. And I pretty much just have a whole bunch of fun with them and go all over the place all the time. That is amazing. Um, and I know that people that are listening to the podcast can't see this, um, but you actually live in an RV. Is that correct? Yeah, we actually have two RVs right now that are parked side by side. So we just kind of put the kids in the one and then my husband and I are in the other one. And then during the day, um, if we're home, then the kids are usually in the camper with with me, which is the one where my husband and I usually are in. Uh-huh. And we kind of do the food in that one. We have the table set up, whereas the other RV, we have the table used as a bed. So we just kind of keep it that way to keep it simple so we don't have to switch it into a table. So we just kind of have each one has it kind of its own role. Wow, that's amazing. And I definitely want to dive into learning more about RV life and your journey to you know be living and traveling in an RV, because um, that has definitely been something that I have 
thought about doing, but just had no clue kind of where to get started with that. So I'm going to pick your brain on that a little bit later. Um, but I, I heard you say that you guys um, not only homeschool, but you also unschool. And um, that's something that my family does as well. And I'm really passionate about sharing the possibilities of unschooling with other people in the world, um, because I think a lot of people don't even know that unschooling is an option. Um, at least I know I didn't until a couple of years ago. And um, so could you share a little bit about what unschooling is and what inspired you to become an unschooler? Yeah, I, I think it started with when my oldest was in third grade. I decided to homeschool him for that one year because it just seemed like that's kind of what he needed at that stage. And that's the only year I homeschooled him. He went to school the rest of the time. And um, I had heard what unschooling was, but I, I didn't know what it meant. And I thought it just sounded kind of weird, I guess. And <laughs> so my whole understanding of homeschooling was, you know, you pick a curriculum and then you tell your kid what to do. And then you try to make them fit in the box. Mm-hmm. And I found it was like pulling teeth to get him to do the things I wanted him to do. I'm thinking it's just a basic thing, like do this workbook and sit here and listen while I read to you. And I was really trying to, you know, fit kind of like a round peg in a square hole. Mm. Um, And looking back now, I go, oh, I really wish I would have done unschooling with him because it was actually really bad on our relationship. It really caused a problem, Um, even between my, with my husband and me, between our son, like just, it was kind of like him against us and just all that tension. And that, that really was like, I guess, where our relationship broke down mm-hmm. and that lasted a long time. And thank God we're doing much better now. We have a much better relationship with him now, but it took a long time coming for that to happen. Um, but I feel like he could have flourished if I would have done unschooling because it would have given him the opportunity to learn in the ways that work best for him. And I was trying to do that with the homeschooling, with the curriculum. Like I was trying to modify things. Um, like if I wanted him to write something you know, maybe I'd have him write a little bit and then I'd write a little of what he answered. And then I'd have him write a bit and we'd just kind of take turns sharing the pencil. Mm -hmm. Um, But realistically, why was I even making him write if that wasn't something he was really ready for yet? You know, Mm -hmm. a third grader, it's not like a third grader has to be this proficient writer um, and filling in blanks on a worksheet. There are other ways to learn that Mm -hmm. don't necessarily involve seat work. And so (laughs) now that I kind of have, that experience, I am feel, I feel so free that we don't have to try to make my other kids, you know, fit in that box. Um, they're just free to learn in ways that work well for them. I'm free to learn about all kinds of fun stuff with them. And when I'm excited about it, you know, then they are into it too. And they ask questions and I'm like, wow, that's a great question. I want to know about that. And we have the time to delve into it because we're not like bound by some schedule or structure of curriculum that, Oh, we have to get through the curriculum and we do use curriculum. We do occasionally have them do some seat work, but um, primarily our unschooling looks like I do a lot of reading books to them. They Mm -hmm. love that. They all love it. I'm reading like children's picture books, um, listening to audio books in the car. We do a lot of that too. And just playing games, traveling, hiking, being outside in nature, building things, making things. Um, so 
to me, there are so many great ways to do homeschooling that don't involve seat work. And it's kind of funny because my youngest two kind of like seat work some of the time, but it's kind of like more on their terms. Yeah. But because my oldest two both like absolutely hated it. And, and even for my 11 year old, he still really hates it. I'm so used to not doing like the workbooks and the worksheets kind of stuff that that's, I'm just not in that mode. So I don't have them do it all that often, but there are times where my younger two, they'll sit there. I'll give them like, um, you know, a workbook and they just fly through it. They just like, they want to keep doing more pages and they'll do like nine pages in it or something. <laughs> and I'm, I'm always like, that's so cool. Cause they love it. And so then I wonder sometimes why don't I have them do that more often? But again, it's just kind of not in my rhythm because I'm so used to the older two. Um, yeah. But then there are other times where I, I want the younger two to do seat work and they really don't want to do it. And so that's where I'm, I'm still trying to figure out that balance, right. Of trying to figure out like how structured do we go? How loose do we go? And what's the right balance of unschooling and still using some curriculum that's really good. Cause there's some awesome curriculum out there and I, I use some of it and, and I love it and the kids enjoy it. And it's, um, it's really great. It's kind of, I guess, always thinking through like, what's the best use of their time. And one of the main things I come to is sometimes I'll have an idea of something I think they should do like, Oh, I want to read them this book or, Oh, I want them to do this activity. And I look at them and they're, let's say they're drawing a comic strip and they're writing out the words in it. And I'm like, Oh, let me not interrupt their learning so they can mm -hmm. learn. <laughs> That's fascinating. Don't let me interrupt their learning so they can learn. That's absolutely brilliant because you're right. It's like, we, we come to our kids with these ideas of things that we want them to learn. Um, but you know, just as you said, you're looking at them and yes, they're writing a comic strip, but there's valuable learning that they're doing in creating that comic strip. And, um, I think that's one of the things that was hard for me about school was that I felt like we were constantly interrupting kids in their learning to try to get them to do, learn something that we thought was valuable, but it wasn't really valuable or meaningful for them in that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, and something else you said too, that kind of stuck out to me as you were talking about your oldest son, you mentioned that when you were kind of taking this more school at home approach, that it really had a negative impact on your relationship with him at that time. Um, I'm wondering if like how your relationship has changed with your children um, when you're doing like this unschooling where you're kind of more in a partnership with them around their learning rather than this authoritarian forcing them to learn specific things. Have you noticed a change in your relationship with your children that are unschooled? Um, I would say it's been pretty consistent for them that we've, we've always had a, a really good bond and closeness. And so I feel like that's just continued as we've done the unschooling and they did go to school before. Mm -hmm. um, and that went well for them. Um, but then I actually started homeschooling our 11 year old three years ago. So this is his fourth school year doing homeschooling. Uh -huh. um, but for my youngest two, they just started last school year. So this is their second school year doing homeschooling. Um, but I would say for all three of them that we already had a closeness and then that continued as we did the unschooling. And um, most of the time though, we get along really well. Like, again, we don't have a lot of the, like those pulling teeth moments. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I, I always, I don't know. I just think for all the homeschooling parents out there, um, just to know what your options are, because what works for you is going to be awesome. And it might be very different than what works for me or somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, if you're not having a great relationship with your kids and if it really is frustrating for them and for you, 
then maybe explore unschooling or some other method and see what works. Because the beauty of homeschooling is you can customize it to exactly what works for your kids and for your family. And it can be individualized to their strengths, to their learning styles, to their interests. Yeah. And so you can find a curriculum that they really enjoy, or you can do unschooling and find all kinds of options that they really enjoy. And they can still learn all the same language arts, math, history, science, geography, you know, all the same things that they could learn in a regular structured curriculum or in a school setting. Um, it just might come at different times and in a different order. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's hard to let go of that order, right? Like we have this idea that my child needs to learn this by this grade, by this age, and kind of move through this linear path that someone else, someone else. go by anyone schedule or any agenda. Um, and there really is a lot of freedom in that. And you mentioned before that um, that there are so many other ways to learn outside of or doing like the traditional workbooks or um, you know traditional workbooks, worksheets, things like that. I'm wondering what are some other ways that your children like to learn that don't look like the traditional sit down, you know do this worksheet, do this workbook? Um, what are other ways that they learn besides that traditional method? Um, so as I said, some of it is me reading books to them, which I've found I can teach them any subject by reading books to them. Are you able to hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, so I can read them books about, of course, you know, history, geography, science, and even math, because we use Life of Fred books which are hilarious and very creative and have all kinds of just good math concepts in them and I used to be a math teacher and so I, I can kind of see that they seem to have all the normal math you would usually have but sometimes they'll insert some very advanced math concepts even like calculus type concepts in the elementary books just to kind of give them a little bit of a slight background on it so you know so then when they get it later in life it's already a little bit familiar to them um but yeah so reading books to them playing board games um for example like monopoly there's a lot of you know math and yahtzee and then games like scrabble or boggle you know can be good for language arts and all, all kinds of board games can be great um even chess and we like stratego that's my favorite game they're just more logic games so I feel like those are just really good for kind of the math brain and for developing that. And um, just the idea of when my, when my kids want to know something, they're curious, they, they love to learn about everything. So they ask these good questions or we're traveling and we see something and then we just look it up. You know, I, they ask me a good question and I'm thinking that's so interesting and I have no idea. So, you know, we look up the answer. Sometimes I'll just, you know, read them what I find on a, internet search, or we'll look at a video online that's teaching about it. Um, so one example, I took my three youngest kids on a trip recently up to the upper peninsula of Michigan, where they had never been. And I had only been there once as a kid and found out it's a really cool place. And I had no idea. So it was <laughs> super fun. It was just me with the, the three kids. And on our way there, we went um, to Petoskey, Michigan, which is known for Petoskey stones. So we were at the beach and finding stones. And, and someone there mentioned that they came from a coral reef. And I was thinking, wow, I had no idea. That's really interesting. Like, how did, how did that happen? Like upper Michigan and it came from a coral reef. That's really interesting. So then at the hotel, we looked it up. We watched a couple of YouTube videos about it and 
it was so interesting. And it was, to me, that's a great way to learn because it's like, we're experiencing it. Then we learn more about it mm-hmm. and it's really fun and it's really educational. And we just, we're just learning together. And that's mm-hmm. also works well with, if you have multiple kids, then it's like, you don't have to be helping one kid with this thing. And then this other kid with this other thing and your other kid with this other thing. And, and I did have to do that. Um, at the time when all the schools shut down last year in March, um, I had three kids in school at that time. And one, I was homeschooling mm-hmm. and the one I was homeschooling, things went fine. Like it was different because all the other kids were home now. Um, but it was, it was good. Like I felt like things were going well for him, but for the other three, it was really an awful time. Um, especially for two of them, I guess the, my preschooler at the time, that was pretty much fine. But for the other two, um, the teachers did a really great job, you know, of, coming up with online um, material immediately with no preparation. You know, they did the best they could under those circumstances, but it was not um, a fabulous method for my kids, for their learning styles. Like it really, like literally their assignments for the rest of that school year did not mesh well with their learning styles. Mm. And it was, it was frustrating for them because they weren't wanting to do this type of schoolwork. And it was frustrating for me because I'm running in one room while one kid's watching their video of their teacher teaching, trying to make sure they have the technology working, make sure they're doing the assignment they're supposed to be doing. Then I go to the other room, helping this other kid with what they're doing. And I just, I felt like I just kept running back and forth, trying to help them with, you know, their very different assignments. Whereas um, with the type of homeschooling that I do, most of the time, it's just the four of us together and we're learning together and we're exploring together. We're out on hikes. We're out with friends. We meet up with friends a lot at playgrounds and at coffee shops and just anywhere and hanging out. And we're learning together. Um, If we want to know about something, we have that time again, that we can look into it more. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, I think those are a lot of the alternatives to kind of like that seat work. Yeah. You shared a lot of really, really great things. I love how you talked about the games. Um, You know, at the beginning, you were sharing about the different games. And actually, there's an entire world um, of homeschooling that they actually call themselves game schoolers. Yeah. I do. You, I, I don't know if you guys consider yourselves to be game schoolers too. Um, but it, it's definitely an interesting concept because we don't think about all the learning that kids do when they're playing games, you know, like you mentioned Scrabble and Monopoly and all these other things. I've never tried, what is it? Strategic, Stratego? Stratego. Yeah. It is so much fun. Stratego is a capture the flag game. Oh, so you your pieces kind of in a similar way to chess. Uh-huh. where you you see what your pieces are but you can't see what the opponent's pieces are because they're facing them uh-huh. and so one of them is their flag and one of yours is your flag so you're trying to find their flag as they're trying to find yours huh I'll have to add that to my Christmas list because I have mm-hmm. never heard of that game before so we'll have to try that out yeah. um, and you know what's funny for us we we don't actually play a whole lot of board games we play some but um my my oldest son is the one who's really into games. So we used to play board games with him all the time. Um, but for my younger three, uh, we do it here and there, but they, they've just never really been that into board games. And so um, I would use them more if they were more into it. And sometimes they will, they'll start playing checkers or something. And I'm always like, oh, that's great. They're playing a board game. So yeah, because exactly like you said, it, it's actually a really good way to learn. And I think, um, yeah, like you're saying game schoolers, like, you could do almost your entire homeschooling just by playing games with your kids. Yeah, which is 
totally fascinating to me. Um, and actually I'm in a game schooling group on Facebook. I'll make sure that I include the link to that group um, in the description. So if you're interested in game schooling or exploring different options to be able to use games um, to support your children and their learning, I'll make sure that I put that there for you so you can check out that group. Um, but that has, has been definitely helpful for me and just kind of thinking again outside of that seat work box and like, okay, how can we learn these same skills in a way that's fun and that everyone is engaged and that we're playing together? Um, because I truly believe that learning can and should be fun. Like, you know, like you said, if you're frustrated and miserable and your child is frustrated and miserable, like it's time to, to change something up, you know, yeah. um, we, we shouldn't be miserable in our, in our learning. Um, and then you also talked about, you know, these life learning experiences of traveling to these different places and, you know, as your kids are asking questions and as they're coming up because they're happening in real life, like they're experiencing all these different things, then you're able to address those questions. And they're really having very practical learning um, as they're experiencing the world and then diving deeper as those questions come up naturally for them. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, the way that you guys are, are navigating that. Um, and I, I think a lot of that too, is you have that, you know, the benefit of being able to be in an RV that you can kind of travel around and explore different things. Um, I am so curious what inspired you guys to live in an RV? Um, do you, do you have a home base somewhere or are you like full-time living in the RV traveling the world? Um, so we've done some of both, um, last winter, uh, because of COVID, we bought a motor home because I didn't want to use public bathrooms. So I thought we have a motor home. We can just take our bathroom with us wherever we go. <laughs> and so, um, we have very cold winters. So we thought, um, you know, of course let's go someplace warm. And so, um, my husband had some business things to do on the East coast. So we just went like down the East coast, basically like started in Pennsylvania and then moved further East and went, um, all the way down to Florida and visited all the States on the way. And, it was fun because you know I was having the kids learn the state capitals as we're in each state. Mm -hmm. I'm like this is a better way than just like memorizing like all the state capitals at once. It's like yeah. let's just work on the ones um, where we're at. And we visited friends along the way, and um, we were in a, a small motorhome, five of us, and um, we made it work. And it was uh, really um, a fun trip and, but it was challenging. We, we, we learned a lot through our mistakes. <laughs> I feel like there's a big learning curve because just the basics of life became something we had to focus on, which is really different. Um, like things like making sure we had water, mm. making sure the toilet worked, figuring out how to get our mail and mm. having, you know, electricity and having internet. So my husband could work. Wow. And so, and just food too, just figuring out, um, you know, like we like to do grocery delivery, especially through COVID. So trying to figure that out as you were in new places all the time, which is funny because you can get grocery delivery to a campground, which I just, really? kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't know. That. <laughs> yeah. But each time we go to a new place, you know, then we have to figure out like, oh, which stores deliver. And yeah. then we didn't have like a big agenda. So we are always trying to figure out where are we sleeping tonight, which like we kind of learned some lessons through that like next time we shouldn't move around as much like let's keep it simple you know spend a week or two in one spot and then move because we were moving you know every day or three days pretty oh, much wow. the whole time um which was cool too because we got to see all these different places and kind of find you know where we really like it 
And we were able to go based on the weather a lot too, because we decided we really like 60s. Like if it's in the 60s, that's like perfect weather because then it's just comfortable for whatever you're doing. And you're not like hot and sweating. And it's not like so cold that you're uncomfortable. And so we stayed in the Northern part of Florida quite a bit so that we could have more that. And then we did go down further South. So we could do like the beach and be like out where it's like eighties and the water's warm enough for swimming. So that, that was really also cool. But for the majority of the time, we just kind of stayed at like the type of weather that we preferred. Um, Mm -hmm. So we, when we left, people were like, Oh, how long are you going to be gone? And we said, probably a month or two. And it, it ended up being exactly in the middle of that, of exactly a month and a half. Oh, um, after, after a while, my husband was kind of like, I think we should start kind of heading home. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. So we kind of started making our way back. And then once we um, kind of finished visiting the people we wanted to visit, then we just kind of drove for like, I don't know, three or four days and got home mm-hmm. um, through that and didn't really do a lot of sightseeing on that final trip home. Um, and then, uh, we ended up selling our house, um, because we're in process of hopefully soon starting to build a house. And so we decided, and we've been wanting to do this for a while, like, okay, well in in the, in-between time, let's live in our camper. And that way we get to kind of experience that like full-time RV living. And that way, um, we, we could sell our house and, especially because of the housing market being what it's been, we really wanted to sell it and just be done with it where we kind of know, okay, we, we were able to sell it at a good price because we, we knew at that time the prices are high and it was a good time to sell. Whereas you can't predict what it'll be later. So we just thought let's just sell it and be done with it and then live in our RVs and just wait and kind of see what happens. So we um, are now we're at the moment stationary, but we are gearing up for a trip again this winter. And so um, we are going to actually not be living in our RVs for part of the winter. We're going to go to um, like uh, like a cabin in the woods, basically, <laughs> and live there for part of the winter um, because we basically decided we like living in the RVs in Michigan when it's any season but winter. Mm-hmm. And if it's winter and we're traveling in an RV, then that's great too, but not being in Michigan in the winter in mm-hmm. an RV. So that's kind of our plan right now. So we're kind of in this like transition stage of like, we've been living here for quite a few months now, actually almost half a year. We've been living right here in these two RVs and then we'll go uh, live in the cabin for a couple months. And then I think we'll probably travel for maybe, um, I don't know how long again, some, some amount of time for the rest of the winter. (laughs) That's really cool. And I am sure there are so many different things, as you mentioned, you know, learning the state capitals as you go. Um, but even being able to learn about, you know, history as you're traveling the United States and, and science of like learning the different weather in the different parts of, of the United States and yeah. all that. like there's, there's so much valuable learning to do when you're exploring the world. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's an incredible gift to be able to give your, your children and your family that they're able to not just read about these things in books, but that they're able to actually go there and see these different places with their own eyes. Um, or do you have like a goal of hitting all the 48 States or something, or is there a particular part of the United States that you would still like to go travel and visit? Um, my goal is to see a lot of the national parks out West. Mm -hmm. I've been to a few of them and I'm just always longing for more. I see pictures of, you know, like arches and Zion and all these, um, national parks I haven't been to. And so that's, that's my dream. Um, 
Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know if, if we'll be able to do that this winter or if we have to wait and just be patient and do that some other time. But that's really one of my big goals is to go out West. And do your kids also have a particular place in the United States that they would like to go visit? Um, when I ask them, they don't, they don't really have a specific place, but they, they always, um, seem to enjoy it wherever we go. They're always kind of up for, up for an adventure. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm, I'm hoping too, that we'll be able to, um, I've thought about like renting an RV or something like that, you know, over during the summer, um, and kind of doing something similar, just taking an RV and going out West and exploring a lot of those national parks, like you mentioned, and, um, with my kids. So maybe we'll see. Um, I know there are some like RV rental sites and again, I'll include those in the description as well. So in case someone is interested, maybe you can't buy an RV yourself like, um, Lynette has, but maybe you can rent one and, you know, go for however length of time that you want to go and, and explore that life of being able to, um, live and learn and travel together with your family and explore new places all around, um, the United States or even cross the border. Um, so that's really, really cool. Do you, do you have any like advice or recommendation or what something that maybe you wish that you would have known before you started this journey as an RV traveling unschooling family? Um, well, one is I, I wish we would have known there was a tank heater switch in our motorhome before we left. Cause when we, when we left last winter, we didn't know it, but our holding tanks were frozen. Oh. And so we couldn't empty them. So we had to be really careful because we knew we could only use the, the sinks in the bathroom for a short time before um, they wouldn't work anymore. So we kept trying to empty them. But then we finally, our, actually our 11 year old at the time, he was 10. And he said, I, you know, I see the switch in the bathroom tank heater. Would that help? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, actually that, that totally solved our problem. So we were like, kind of, you know, laughing like, oh, from the flip of a switch, we solved our problem. <laughs> so I guess just some of those, like, I don't know, basics um, of the RV living of how to not have problems like overflowing the, um, the shower and, you know, just different, different issues. I mean, the toilet overflowing into the floor and stuff uh -huh. would have been helpful. The logistics piece, I guess, of yeah. living in an RV would have been helpful to know in advance. Yeah. Um, and, oh, there is one thing that someone told us on our on our way, a friend of ours that we visited, um, a business person that we work with, um, about an app called hip camp, H I P C A M P. And that's a way for finding campsites and it's like Airbnb, but for campsites. So it, it actually, it even has cabins and cottages too. So I guess you could do, they call it glamping. Um, uh -huh. but if you want a tent camp or RV camp, then, um, you can use that. So like, let's say all the campgrounds are full and you want to go, you know, find a place to park your RV or camp, then you can use hip camp. Um, so we did that once and we stayed a few nights on a farm mm. and the hostess was just lovely. We had such a nice time and it worked out so well. And it had full hookup, which not all of them do, but you can like search based on which ones have full hookup, which was really helpful for us. So we really enjoyed that experience. Wow. That's awesome. And so I'll make sure that I include that link as well. Hip camp. Um, so if anyone's interested in exploring that as an option to be able to find campsites, um, it sounds like that would be a really great resource to be able to have as you're out traveling the world and maybe looking for places that you can stop and, and camp along the way or do glamping along the way. Um, I do have another question too, that I wanted to ask you kind of, I guess a shift in topic. 
Um, I know that you guys are unschoolers. And when I first started unschooling, my, my biggest concern, my biggest fear was that my daughter would never learn how to read. Um, she was in preschool when we started and, um, and I pulled her out of her preschool environment. And so I was terrified, you know, I was a reading teacher and I was like, how on earth is my child going to learn how to read? And so, um, every time I get a chance to talk to an unschooler, I always love to ask them this question because it's so fascinating for me. How did your child learn how to read? It was a very interesting time. Um, so I used to be a physics and math high school teacher. And so I had never done anything with like teaching someone how to read. Um, so I was expecting that it was going to just go very quickly. Um, my son was in third grade. My 11 year old was in third grade when I started homeschooling him. And he had gone to a Mandarin immersion program. Um, so for kindergarten through second grade, he was in school all day, every day, hundred percent in Mandarin Chinese. And other than like gym and art class type stuff, the whole time it was all Mandarin. So it is a fabulous program. He learned it so well. And all the literacy instruction was in Chinese. So he was actually learning to read Chinese characters. Wow. And when I started homeschooling him in third grade, I thought, well, this will be really quick and easy. You know, if you start with someone who's a little older and he already knows how to read in one language, this should be really easy. And he speaks English, of course, perfectly. So should just be real quick. And um, it did not go quick or easy. Um, and he had actually struggled with the reading in Chinese and had been getting given a little extra support at school mm -hmm. um, for that. And I think he does have maybe like a very mild learning disability. There are some learning disabilities in our families on both sides. And so um, I think his is mild enough that he hasn't been actually diagnosed with it, but I think that was a hindrance for him. I think that's why it didn't go as quickly as I was assuming it would. Mm -hmm. And so um, really he wasn't reading till he was 10 just after he turned 10 uh, was when it clicked. And then he started reading like all the time. And now he reads like all the time. He stays up late most nights till like 11 at night reading. Um, he especially likes Hardy Boys books. He also mm -hmm. likes any book about Legos and he's branched out to some other series as well, like the Sugar Creek Gang books and um, Nancy Drew. And so it's been really fun to see that transformation um, but it, yeah, it was, it was a bit unsettling for a while there. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, I feel like he's old enough. He should be reading now. And I was always wondering how much do I push it? How much do I just wait and see? Um, so the thing with him was when we would sit down and I'd have him practice reading to me, he hated it. And this is a very like calm, polite, cooperative kid. Like he's, um, he has kind of an amazing personality. He's very laid back. So He's the kind of kid I can tell him literally not right now. We don't have a dishwasher, but unload the dishwasher, load it back up, do the garbage and the recycling. And he will literally say, okay. And then he'll do it with a good attitude. So that's, that's his personality. And then we'd sit there on the couch to have him practice reading to me. And he'd be laying down and moaning, <laughs> you know, you've probably experienced that. <laughs> um, and so I didn't want to push it a lot. Um, so we would just do it kind of here and there. But then when he was um, getting closer to being 10, I did start being more consistent with it, where we, we bought a book called um, Toe by Toe, like T-O-E, mm -hmm. um, kind of like little by little. And it had us practice just like the different um, ways to pronounce words in English, since it's 
very inconsistent in English, but it would do it in like a systematic way. Mm-hmm. So we did a, a, we did a bit of that book. We didn't do the whole thing. And then I would just have him read to me from like a magic treehouse book. And I would help him with it. Cause he really couldn't like read it enough to actually understand it himself at the time, but we would just work on it little, a little bit each day, pretty consistently, not every day, but a lot of times. And so after we did that for, um, I don't know, maybe a couple months, that's when it clicked for him. And I, I think he was more ready to do the, the structure, you know, just sit down with me without, like I said, like laying down or moaning. And I think he was just ready, you know, at that time for Mm -hmm. that. And so then, um, with my younger two, they're eight and six. Um, so they're not reading all that much in English. Um, we've done a lot of Chinese. So when I homeschool, I actually focus on Chinese, um, a lot, like last year, especially I was probably focusing on that more than anything else. And it was really fun. And which is really hard for me because I don't speak it that well. My, my boys know it way better than me. And then trying to get my youngest to learn it because she didn't get to go to kindergarten in Mandarin Mm -hmm. like they did. Um, so we did a lot of learning to read. So like last school year, I know that my youngest and I both learned to read 50 Chinese characters. Which oh, I wow. thought was pretty cool because <laughs> um, it's really fascinating. It's a very fascinating language. Uh-huh. Um, and my boys were learning to read a lot more in Chinese. Um, so then kind of near the end of the year, I started doing some English. But again, same kind of thing. I haven't been very consistent with it. We just um, sometimes we practice reading in English. Sometimes we practice reading in Chinese. We do that more. Actually, we do the Chinese more. Um, and so I just kind of try to make it fun for them and figure, you know, when they're ready, it'll click. And if they really want to know how to read, you know, then they'll put more time into it. And I'm open to that. I encourage that. But if they're not really that much like at a disadvantage by not reading yet, then I don't push it. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. I love that you're teaching your children another language and encouraging them to learn another language. I was actually a Spanish teacher for a long time. So I am a big fan of learning new languages. And um, I have like 12 languages on my list that I want to learn. Um, and Mandarin is on there, but I feel like I've been very intimidated by it. But just talking with you, I'm like, you know what? If she can do it, I can do it too, you know? Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's wonderful. Like you have this, you know, desire that you love and, and being able to support your children and learning a new language. And I love how you're diving in and you're learning it right along with them. Um, and I think that's such a beautiful encouragement to other people that are out there. Cause I think with languages in particular, it can be very intimidating. Like, oh my gosh, I don't speak this language. How can I help my child learn a language if I don't speak it myself. Um, do you have any advice for someone that maybe feels that way that they want their child to learn another language and they're like, how, how can I do this? <laughs> Where can I get started? Yeah. Um, what worked for us, which is not what everyone's going to want to do, but this is to me, like the very best way. Like if you want your kid to learn a language that you don't know is put them in kindergarten in a full immersion school, um, which is what we did with our our eight-year-old, he did five months of kindergarten and that's it. Cause we had traveled some, so we had pulled him out of school a bit and then he went back for one week. And then that was that March when everything shut down and he really did not learn much from the online stuff after that. So literally in a five months time of all day, every day kindergarten, he learned how to speak Mandarin in full sentences, complete conversations. I mean, there's words he doesn't know, you know, he's still learning. 
Um, but he got that foundation that I can work with that really easily. Like it's very easy for me to give him lots of opportunities to practice his Mandarin online tutoring, just simply watching videos mm. in Mandarin. It's amazing. Netflix, Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and YouTube all have tons and tons and tons of kids shows that you can select Spanish or Mandarin or a bunch of other languages. Yeah. And it's really amazing. And when he watches these kids shows in Mandarin, and especially for my 11 year old, when he does, they understand it. Like they can tell what they're saying. Whereas if my youngest who's six watches it because she doesn't have that foundation yet, she doesn't know what they're saying. And I, I've been working with her for over a year now, homeschooling her, trying to get her to learn more Mandarin. And she's still nowhere near the level that my eight-year-old was after five months of mm. kindergarten. So to me, if you want like a quick way <laughs> to get your kid to speak a language, find a full immersion program and have them do that for a short period of time. Um, but I know that's not an option for everyone. A lot of people don't want to send their kid to school or they don't have an immersion program mm -hmm. as an option. Um, so then it's trying to be creative to come up with um again, resources for them, which a lot would just be for the parent to try to learn it. And that, that's what I'm trying to do. Like I'm trying to learn Spanish because I would really love to just be able to speak it to my kids and then they can just learn it without having to study it or work <laughs> at it, which is, which is what happened for them in the Mandarin immersion program. Like they didn't have to study it. They just learned it naturally the way that people absorb language and yeah. because they were surrounded by it enough hours every day consistently Mm -hmm. um, and so just trying to, for all of us then surround ourselves with, like, if it's Spanish, you're wanting to learn, you know, listen to music in Spanish, watch videos in Spanish, do online tutors in Spanish, um, just study it and pay attention to it. A ask people, how do you say this? You know, um, when I'm around my friends who speak Spanish, I'm always asking them, oh, como se dice this or that, you know, I'm like asking and then try to remember it. Um, but it's hard. I'll, I'll admit I am struggling myself to learn Spanish. Um, it's something I would like to actually be bilingual. That's mm -hmm. my big, that's one of my big goals is that I would actually like to be fluent in another language. And that's not happened yet. I did not grow up learning any other language at all. Mm -hmm. And then I have such an interest in languages. I could speak, you know, maybe a few words in a lot of different languages, but I'd really like to actually become fluent in a language. And so that is my goal, but I have, it, it's not going quickly. I'll admit that. <laughs> well, it, it's, it does. I mean, it really does take a lot of intention. And, um, and I think you mentioned a lot of really great things like Netflix and things like that. Um, that's a great strategy to use if, if you're interested in learning another language. Um, a lot of times what I would do is I would actually put the audio in the foreign language and then have the subtitles be in English. So when yeah. you're first learning, that's a great way to start. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and then as you start to get more comfortable, then kind of move it to the audio in the foreign language and the subtitles in that foreign language as well. Like if you can mm -hmm. feel like you're yeah. getting the, you know, the English part, then move to that. Um, another great strategy for anyone who's listening that would like to learn another language um, is just making friendships. Um, being able to find friends that are in your area that speak that other language. And for me too, one of the things that I did that was helpful in me learning Spanish was um, I actually found a church, a Spanish speaking church that was close by That's and awesome. going to that Spanish church was so helpful for me because I was able to make, you know, friends, make relationships, and then also really understand such a 
an important aspect of Hispanic culture um, by being in a Hispanic church, which is so different than an American church. Um, and so just sharing in that culture with them was really um, a powerful experience for me. And then of course, um, taking opportunities to go and have those immersion experiences, whether that be in an immersion school or actually going to another country um, and spending time in another country where that's their first language. Um, so who knows, Lynette, maybe you guys will get to like drive to Mexico or something like yeah. that in your RV as you're out west exploring out there or something like that. Um, but I would definitely recommend, um, you know, all those different strategies and then uh, Duolingo too. That's another one. Um, Duolingo is an app that was um, created actually by a Guatemalan guy. And um, so that's another great free resource for people who are interested in learning languages. Um, and then another one that I really like too is ePals. So um, I'll, again, I'll drop the links for all those different resources. ePals is a website. Actually, this might be really cool for your kids, um, but ePals is a way that you can connect with other language learners in other parts of the world and kind of do a language exchange. And you can either do it through, um, you know, sending emails back and forth, or you can actually send handwritten letters back and forth to these kids in other countries. And um, so that was a great resource I used with my classroom. And I'm actually planning on starting that with um, with my kids too, so that they can start building friendships and relationships with kids that are in other parts of the world that are wanting to learn English and kind of doing that language exchange with them. So that's great. Yeah, um, I, I know you have to run. I'm sorry, we're a little over our time. But um, but Lynette, I just wanted to ask, you know, if someone is hearing you talk and sharing your story, and they're like, man, I really want to connect with Lynette, what is a way that we can get connected with you? I have a Facebook page that's called Renewed View. And so if you send me a message there, then I'd be happy to write back. Awesome. Um, and do you have like an Instagram as well or a podcast or anything? Um, I don't really do much with Instagram and I don't have a podcast. Okay. Awesome. So I guess Facebook will be the best way to get a hold of you. And so I will make sure that I include the, the link for Renewed View so that way you can get connected with Lynette and follow her story and her journey with her family. Thank you so very much for joining us today for this episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I hope that this episode has been as much of a blessing for you and your family as it has been for me. Uh, remember that there are new episodes that are released every single Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. And if you would like to support me in the work that I'm doing, please share this episode with your family and friends and be sure to check out all the links in the description. Have a wonderful day and I hope that it is as wonderful as you are. See you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.